1: This is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, April 5th, 2018. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Fabrication. Mailbox trolling. Lying. Stealing. There's a difference between those terms, but not a difference in the outcome. If banks do it, it's okay. If you do it, you might be able to get away with it, and you might go to jail. But you might be able to get away with it because of the new judicial landscape in which courts approve of foreclosure despite patent evidence showing that the paper is fake and that the party doing the foreclosing has no right to do so and no risk of loss regardless of how the case turns out. Tonight the co-hosts for the show are attorney Charles Marshall in California Bill Padello first a message again to remind the listeners and followers of the blog uh, we're still in process of constru- reconstruction of the homepage of the blog and the site page of, of I mean the site of lending lives uh, the email situation was corrected last weekend. Uh, to go to us, you can now uh, go directly to LendingLives.com, or you can still contact us at our VCTA site, where both Living Lies and Lending Lies are still up, and we'll be making further changes as we go along. I'm broadcasting live from Davao County, Florida, brought to you by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, Lending Lies, AMGAR, and the Garfield firm with offices in Florida. And this show especially brought to you, why? Because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners just like you. Thank you. And for those of you who are not yet contributors, we ask that you hit the donate button on the blog, or call 954-451-1230 or 202-838-6345. If this show has value for you, if the blog has value for you, and all the free information that we've provided, then please make a contribution to help us continue helping you and all consumers. So tonight... Charles Marshall and Bill Padaleau, two of my favorite people, are going to talk about the impact of a wink-and-nod law coming down from the bench in virtually all states. Fabricated, false-forged, fraudulent documentation has now been accepted for over 10 years in order to bail out banks who had no risk of loss. Now the banks are getting a taste of their own medicine as predicted by both myself and Bill Padalo and maybe Charles did too uh, way back, as people are trolling mailboxes, which is, of course, illegal, and then doing the same fabrication and forgery thing that the banks are doing. Only the new people are doing it faster than the than the banks, and they're apparently making money making false claims uh for foreclosure of property and maybe other kinds of debts as well. Welcome, Charles Marshall and Bill
2: Padillo.
3: Good to be back, Neil. Yes. Thank
0: you.
2: yes, it's always great to be on, Neil. Bill, tell us about the
1: uh fake Deutsch case.
3: <clears throat> I'd be happy to. Uh looks like we've got a pretty significant uh fraud that's occurring in southern california at least uh, from the papers i'm looking at but i'm sure that this is spreading into other areas of california and other non-judicial areas uh, according to the website of the um, perpetrators in this action but anyhow it's uh it's a deutsche bank national trust company versus patrick soria uh and a, another whole host of gang of bandits here on the complaint but uh came across this investigating actually a different case on a los angeles property where I looked at the assignment uh, that uh, was recorded in the public records and, of course, all kinds of things started jumping out at me, um, seeing what you usually see as a a blank endorsement on a promissory note. There Suddenly there's endorsements on the assignment and a bunch of uh, screwy names like Deutsche Mellon National Asset LLC is one of the entities involved with the assignment to themselves. And lo and behold, I mean, there's issues all over this uh, document. And as I started to uh, dig in, uh, lo and behold, I found this case that Deutsch had just filed here in January against all of these parties uh, that really lays out the fraud scheme to some degree uh, in the complaint, uh, stating essentially that these uh, parties have uh, essentially hijacked the asset that Deutsch is claiming that they're responsible for as a trustee, uh, of this particular property and loan in a trust, Harborview 069 Trust, and uh, that the parties um, essentially must have had caught wind of the default and the assignment that was recorded uh, to Deutsche Bank uh, as the trustee of this particular trust, and were are pro- probably following that. And so as in doing so, uh, they went out and created uh, an entity that's kind of suspicious by its own name and sort of deceptive, but I'm sure they use these names so that the homeowners, if they get served with any eventual papers, probably won't think too much of it, but they create this Deutsche Mellon national asset, uh, which they – organize in wyoming which is an interesting jurisdiction to set up uh an entity because in wyoming and other states like delaware for example it's very difficult to determine who's behind the filings of these uh entities and who's pulling the strings but anyhow they go in and they ex- execute an assignment and then the notice of default the substitution of trustee just like you laid out in your eight steps there i like how you put that out there uh this afternoon neil and um they go and proceed to issue a trustee's deed upon sale to themselves at which point uh, the the, the complaint says that obviously no sale occurred but the county recorder is showing that the sale occurred and that the party uh, in title is uh, Deutsche Mellon. and uh, then the uh, crooks then essentially are trying to find investors who they can pawn this property off to for you know I'm sure a very sweetheart deal and off they go with um, with the proceeds and the funds. So that's really the the scam. Uh, but what's really you know uh, uh, you know interesting is uh, is that when you look at the accusations and that are being alleged in the complaint, it's it's really a lot like calling the pot <laughs> or the pot calling the kettle black here because you know their their accusations are exactly what the banks have been. in in these non-judicial foreclosures for a long period of time and and so what we've been warning about what I've said for a long time I know you've said this for a long time is that if this data and uh, this loan level data or mortgage loan data that the servicers typically have access to becomes public knowledge or there's a source where anybody off the street can get access to this information uh, this is exactly the kind of fraud schemes that are, are going to occur. People are simply going to uh, hijack that information, create and forge the documents, and record them in the reco- uh, public recorder's offices. Uh, because you know, the recorders have no liability for recording this stuff. They, uh, they simply take it and, and uh, take the recording fee and put it in, and they don't ask any questions uh, of any of it. Um, so it's a very easy crime to uh, to pull off. Um, and so we're going to start to see a heck of a lot more of this. I'm I can guarantee it uh, unless and until the courts begin to scrutinize now all of these documents, no matter what party is uh, recording them, uh, the assignments or claim and default, every single one now uh, should should uh, be subject to You know, a a real uh, scrutiny of these things, Um, and this is what we've been saying forever, where they've been signing off with you know the presumption that they're all valid. But here, we can now demonstrate that these types of enterprises uh, are lifting endorsements. Clearly, this countrywide endorsement and the endorsement that I saw in the case I'm working. They have access, they can pull this, anybody can pull these uh, stamps or these endorsement things off and apply them to any kind of document. Um, and and this is exactly what we're seeing with many of the uh, entities that are being set up in Delaware and debt collector entities and stuff. You can't trace them. There's no, you know, idea of who's behind the curtain, um, and so... This is a great example of why now people should walk in and demand that the court scrutinize these, these docs.
1: You know, uh, I'm just curious, Charles, whether you see an issue that I see, it may not be there, but it seems to me that the real Deutsch may have a standing problem in going against the fake Deutsch because the fake Deutsch is going to rely on the same case law that gave the real Deutsch presumptions of validity and authenticity by virtue of the recording and a facially valid document. What do you think? I
2: think I think the prospects for – I mean, by, I'm of two minds. Um You know, I know it's one of my favorite topics, uh, however sordidly, institutional bias. And I do think that could end up playing a role here where all of a sudden the courts, the judges, might decide to bring real scrutiny to these documents. However, the flip side to that, the business as usual prospect, uh, I ran into that actually in Riverside. At a preliminary injunction hearing, I was handling for a client this morning, and it was it it, it was the usual circus related to request for a request for judicial notice of recorded documents related to a foreclosure, and it was the typical results where the judge uh, denied the preliminary injunction and large major on the basis of of using, you know, not the invariable but the typical case law to come to the conclusion that the quote-unquote operative language of the recorded documents is to be applied to those documents. And it, it almost ends up being a tautology because on the one hand, The ruling also found what what is often found in these types of cases where, yes, the the primary thing being um, acknowledged in the request for judicial notice is the fact of the recording of the documents. Our side always concedes that because, yes, the documents were recorded, but we dispute the content. We dispute the validity of the facts associated with the content. Oftentimes the players that are that are memorialized in these documents are not the real players involved. So all those disputes should mean that the quote unquote operative language does not move forward, but instead we got the same smoke and mirrors this morning that we typically get in these cases where the operative language is is, is upheld. And there really is no analytical reason to say that the the fake Deutsch, to follow that to follow that language, I like I like that reference. The fake Deutsch can use exactly the same arguments, and the fake Deutsch can appeal to Herrera or several other cases and make the argument that these documents. The operative language should stand whatever kinds of objections the objector has. They may claim that there there is uh there there are problems with the documents, but the problem for the objector is there's no reason analytically why the courts wouldn't come come back and say Oh, by the way, the operative language is still good. Therefore, yes, complainer, you do not have standing, even if you're Deutsche Bank, the real Deutsche Bank. I think the real-world scenario there is that the real Deutsche Bank is going to get more more credibility from the courts. But let's let's see what happens. It's it's you know it's a really interesting conundrum for the courts and in terms of public policy to see where this plays out. Because well, the court. If,
3: if fake if fake Deutsch comes in and tries to actually contest this in some way or defends themselves, you're going to you're going to have two entities here, who are ultimately going to claim they're holding a note <laughs> entitled to enforce it. I mean, that's what they're that's what they would have to say, to maybe prove that uh, you know they're the right party or not the imposter. Ultimately, this is going to boil down to the to the accounting and the money trail. All right, who's got the receipts? And I think uh, you know this. Does have the appearance of uh, of the of the crooks suing the crooks over the stolen goods because what I'm curious about and what I said in my article is and I can't I don't have this confirmed yet but I I seriously doubt that any criminal referral has been made to the FBI by Deutsche Bank or to the DOJ uh to say listen you know these these parties came in and created these false documents and they're stealing a million dollar property that were that's that's our asset it belongs to us i mean if if this were a true legitimate heist, uh, I, I, uh, the first place I'd be going is to the DOJ and seeking to enforce criminally. But, uh, but we're not seeing that. And my only guess is that uh, in doing that type of a complaint and going to the criminal side of the fence, it would subject both Deutsches and the uh, plaintiff Deutsch, in this case, to, uh, to, to scrutiny as to what their actual rights are. And I don't think they want to go there.
1: Yeah, criminal investigation could prove that both of them were crooks.
2: Right. Uh, Absolutely. The one thing you did say uh, just now, Bill, that I think weighs in favor of this actually getting more legitimate scrutiny than we typically see in these cases, when it's just the regular borrower up against the institutional people, What, what I think we will see here is, is what you just mentioned a true evidentiary contest because you've got two competing parties saying, but I'm the real Deutsch. And you've got the other one saying, but I'm the real Deutsch. And you know, I'm the one legitimately behind this paperwork. And I can see courts actually sifting through the evidence rather than killing the case on a demure or, or a motion to dismiss. So in that sense, I can see these cases already getting more legitimacy, and yet, as you both have been saying, it really is cut from the same cloth. Analytically, the fake stuff is almost indistinguishable from the so called real stuff
3: now what i'm what I'd be amazed to see, and i wouldn't i have no doubts it's a possibility, is that these parties actually reach a settlement. Uh, which would really be bizarre. Uh, but one of the things that's really peculiar about this is that one of the parties who's behind a lot of this, as as I'm looking through and sifting through all the paper trail of these documents, is a California attorney who's a licensed attorney. Now, you know, obviously, and I, and I haven't dug too much, you know, into his background on the firms he's worked for or uh, how he came up with this, uh, you know, pretty uh, – you know, the enterprise that he created here with these entities and everything else, it looks pretty, um, uh, you know, amateurish, really, on the surface. But still, it's really, you know, amazing to me that we have a potential licensed attorney behind all of this. And I think if this thing does ultimately end in some sort of settlement, it's because, again, the uh, uh, the defendants in this case are probably quite aware of, of the fact that the other side, the plaintiff, isn't really going to seek this, the criminal stuff, and they've got them over a barrel. they probably got dirt on each other.
1: Yeah, I mean, isn't it correct that the fake Deutsch was merely following in the footsteps of the real Deutsch, and neither one of them owns the debt or is an obligee?
3: Well, I mean, it's, that's the way it appears here. And then if you go to this, uh, and I'm sure it's probably going to be taken down here soon if this keeps getting out, but what this entity, BLG, PC National, so if anybody sees that on their documents, uh, the red flag goes right to the ceiling. But it's got a lot of really uh, suspicious you know, things about it. Um, the attorney that I mentioned that's involved in this case is a defendant. He has set up a, m- a bunch of entities Um, like a title company, uh, Brighton Legal Group. There's all kinds of names you might want to – anybody who's listening to this show might want to look at the whole laundry list of names there so that if you see any of that on any documents in the future, uh, certainly – uh, you know you want to, you're going to want to investigate that. But if you go to this website for the BLGPC National and you go to their payment section, it's the most bizarre page I've ever seen. Simply, there's you type in your client name and then click to pay and then enter your amount. How they are tracking that or what it's for, I have no idea. But there's two selections uh, that you can also click, and one is Christiana Wilmington, the other is Deutsche Mellon as a client. Now. That right there tells me if anybody has a document with Christiana Wilmington or those names and any sort of thing, you know, you know, here uh, they're advertising that that's a potential client to come to this not only a uh, a company that claims that they can produce documents whatever you need and and that they verify ownership. I mean, wink, wink. Um, they're doing they're doing all these things and and these names. So. You know, this is a warning to everybody out there that you're going to start to see a lot more of these names, not not only claims of these assets being hijacked, but the names of the entities involved, if they've been big institutions, they're going to start to play and parse the words, the names, or whatever, to make them look official, and uh, we're going to start seeing a heck of a lot more of this. Uh, I guarantee it, until, until um, you know, this they get to the facts of this somebody goes to jail the feds start to investigate it nobody is safe and uh, i'll actually do a plug for a, a company uh called title lock uh, i've heard their advertising and i and i looked at their website and they have an fbi guy as their spokesperson and he talks about this exact uh type of title fraud uh talking about how crooks can simply come in and if you're not monitoring your uh title to your property even if you're not in default that these types of enterprises will come in and do exactly what they're doing right here, default or not. Uh, so at some point now, I mean, we've got to come, we, we, you know, the courts, we've got to draw the line here and, and demand that uh, the courts were at a point, a tipping point, where the courts can no longer just sign off on this because there's a tremendous possibility that uh, they're going to be, uh, as they have been doing anyway, is um, being complicit to to, you know, RICO enterprises.
1: Charles, what are the options? What are the options for the fake Deutsch? I mean, they can't admit all this stuff without putting themselves in deep hot water. And so the other option is to defend it and maybe get a settlement because if it gets close to the point where the real Deutsch has to show the money trail it says, okay, we are the real party here. They can't just say it. It's got to be so. And I think in this context, it might be that uh, a court could say, well, that's the simplest answer. You come up with the money trail here, both of you, and we'll see if either one of you is the owner of this
2: and if that's the angle that's taken by the courts, this will become a legitimate evidentiary contest, and I think ultimately the uh, the institutional players even even to the extent interestingly enough that they won't even be able to produce actual evidence of debt and other specific documents legitimately tying them to the the loan at issue the interesting aspect to that is I still think they would end up winning the evidentiary contest because I suspect that the non-institutional defendants here they're paperwork is probably still going to be even facially uh, more, more difficult to, to tie to the underlying loan. And, and yet, if, if they were to bring a demure in these proceedings, uh, w- using, of course, the strength of a request for judicial notice to have all of their recorded documents, their fake recorded documents, ratified by the court. Hypothetically, for the reasons I gave earlier, the court might well sign off on that. I think the reason the court wouldn't sign off, at least this is, I would say, even a likely way this will play out. It's more in line with what you were just saying, Neil, which is, it becomes an evidentiary contest. And at that point, the request for judicial notice is not gonna be dispositive any longer. All of a sudden, the courts will decide that they need to bring scrutiny and the operative legal language is not so compelling after all. Yet legally, that that's a that's an approach that makes no sense because they've been signing off on all these recorded documents in so many cases without scrutinizing the language and without insisting on evidence of debt and yet i think they're going to discard that approach and then allow an evidentiary contest when again it's the fake Deutsch or 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 a similar individual versus the so-called real Deutsch or a similar institutional player
3: Charles, what, wouldn't it make sense, or is it even a, a possibility, that the borrower, the homeowner, because I, I doubt that they're even aware that this case is taking place. But if they were to know that this case was going on, couldn't they not come in and intervene and say, listen, I heard about the fraud accusations on my title, and I'm going to step in here, and I'm going to demand that you know there be an evidentiary hearing, and if none of these parties can uh, satisfy the requirements, so on and so forth, then I, I want them both quieted from my title.
2: Ah, that's an interesting point. Uh, yeah, I, I can, that's a very I can see, interesting point. I can see both the institutional and the non-institutional player uh, claiming that the borrower had no sense to, <laughs> to intervene in their food fight. That uh, that to me would be—it's it, it, hard for me to describe how obnoxious legally that would be. Yet again, if you follow the threads in the legal analysis of these cases, that would be a plausible logical extension of these rulings to say, no, borrower, you don't have standing here. Uh, It's not your place to say whether either of these fraudsters has a legitimate right to take over your loan.
1: And the other possibility is that the homeowner could file a separate suit and ask to have it joined with... The other suit, because the whole basis of it is the fight between fake Deutsch and real Deutsch. And believe it or not, we ran out of time already. Uh, we should do something about this again. Thank you, Charles Marshall. Thank you, Bill Padalo. And we'll be back again next week. Absolutely,
3: Neil. Yeah, thanks, Neil.
0: thanks for listening to our broadcast.